Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. the sanctuary you're listening to dc radio 96.3 hd4 and dcradio.gov i'm wendy cherry your host and we're talking about a really really interesting and timely topic we're talking about organ donation and i have two awesome guests here with me to talk about their experiences and their journey with organ donation so first my guest is back. This is my mentor. <laughs> this is my big sissy. Her name is Hello, Dr. Vicki Johnson, and she's one of the people who changed my life. But she has changed so many people's lives and even the ultimate gift of giving a kidney to her cousin. So, I mean, can you see how awesome she is? So much of a giver. So we're going to have her share her story. So welcome, big sis. Thank you. Yes. And then my VSU Trojan sister, Monique Acosta House. And so she is the recipient of a heart transplant. And that just happened in 2017. So we give it all praises right now that she's here yeah. and she's sitting here with us healthy and strong and she's going to share her story so let's just get into it so I have been doing some research on organ donation only because I had an experience where one of my sorority sisters and I'm going to say her name because she is now on the other side her name is Nefertarius Achille McPherson and she had a whole situation go on where she was looking for a donor she had like a really rare bile duct cancer And so we watched her, her community watched her and supported her as she went through being sick and being in the hospital and feeling better and going through milestones and then um, having setbacks. But finally getting this um, this donate this donor and the donor was a 12 year old little baby girl who had some kind of a traumatic brain situation go on. And so then Nefertarius was able to get her organ and um, then she was able to be close with the family. And then we started this whole process of watching her be a living donor, like um, advocate, explain to us about what that was, her community, what that was, how important it was, how it changed her life, how um, it also changes the lives of the family who lost someone. So it's sort of like a double, it's like like a dual thing you 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 keep life but life goes on to the next realm and so it was really interesting to watch and then unfortunately because of something not related we think um 
she passed away. And yesterday was the anniversary of her passing. And it must have been about five years now that she passed away. And it's so crazy because, you know, I remember her. I feel like she's here. I speak to her all the time. And I say her whole name, Nefertiris Achille McPherson. And she loved Bluebell ice cream, Blue Bonnet <laughs> ice cream. So she was a huge Texas fan and she was just amazing. And so she put it on my radar as a person of color to consider being a donor before I'd never thought about it. Didn't know anybody who was really a donor. I, I did know Vicky, but I didn't know the whole story. I think when I met Vicky, the first um, day that I met Dr. Vicky, I was at a dinner and she was just talking about all these things, including that she was about to, she was preparing for giving her organ to her cousin. And I was like, who does that? <laughs> and I was like, who is this lady? Cause like out of, I guess she told me three amazing things that changed my life. That was one of the things that piqued my interest about her. Like she's, she had her own child. She had her own life. She had all these things and she'd be willing to put herself what I would feel like would be at risk because it's an elective surgery on her part yes. to to do this for her cousin. And so that's how I got to know a little bit about it. So I wanted to hear from you all. Um, I wanted to hear from you, Monique, because you are someone who received a whole heart. A whole heart. A whole heart, <laughs> yo, like a whole heart. A whole heart. So... Talk to us about the experience and when you came to know that you were in a situation where you needed to get a heart. Yeah, well, I've uh, I've been a heart patient for 20 years. I was diagnosed at VSU. Okay. And even at that point, um, because how critical my condition was, they uh, had said my ejection fraction, that's how well your heart beats. So your heart squeezes like this. Yeah. And so my heart was squeezing very, um, without any pressure. Okay. And so I was very weak. I was so very So you needed fatigued. the pressure. I need the okay. pressure. Okay. And um, so, yeah, even at that point, my ejection fraction was like 10, 15%. And they had mentioned the word transplant at 22. Mm. So I was diagnosed 20, was 23 years ago, February 28th. I just had my anniversary of so you were a young woman what kind of emotion did that bring to you because I know what it would have brought to me um you know so I have to attribute a lot to how I was brought up with my family okay my dad's a retired uh, Fulberg colonel and he grew up in poverty and he's just a hard worker mm -hmm. so it was just like well this is an obstacle how do I get past this? Okay. And um, I learned very early to partner with my physicians. And I think that was a gift, mm -hmm. learning mm -hmm. to partner with the medical community because I didn't have anyone else to help me navigate. Right. You know, my my my, my tribe at that time, you know, I was in college. I was yeah, we're young. Say, well, you know. I know what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. They could help me party. But, right. you know, and we did have intellectual conversations, but having a health crisis at right. that age. But fast forward, you know, to uh, 2016, I had a different outlook. Okay. When, when they said, you know, Monique, it's time for a transplant. I was actually in denial. Okay. Yeah. I right. was like, oh, well, you know, I believe in miracles and mm -hmm. I'm just going to wait here for my miracle. Okay. And my right. miracle actually came through the transplant. Okay. Right. And uh, so emotionally it was, it was tough. Mm -hmm. It was because I felt bad. 
you know, living with a, a hidden illness, if you will. I look just like I do now, mm-hmm. maybe a little better. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> but you know, it, it, inside I was dying. I, okay. I, it's a, it's a very odd feeling to feel life slipping away. Wow. Okay. Okay. And I could feel day by day becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, something has to change. Right. I never felt like I was going to die. Right. Ever. Okay. Ever, ever. I just knew that, you know, I needed, I needed something to intervene. And I think that's half the battle. I think that um, when you did not ever think you were going to die. Because no. I think, well, I know for a fact that how we process things yes. changes everything. Thinking, it feeling, changes actions. the cells in our body. If it we does. have positive thoughts in our body, and, you know, in our mind, then that transfers to our body and then that helps our cells or it hurts our cells. And it does. And I had to, you know, I had to shed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Things, people, mm-hmm. in order to process through. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about what, um, like, when they say you're on the list, I hear it's hard to get on a list. Yes, it wasn't your, it was, you need to be on the list. Okay. And All right. so um, when people say, you know, and it's anecdotal, but it's also true. We, we hear people like Dick Cheney, mm-hmm. who's had two heart transplants. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? Is, you know, can you buy a transplant? People ask me that. Well, can you? Well, not in 2019, you can't, but okay. you could have. You probably could have before. Yeah. Resources, yeah, having yeah. the resources and the connections. Oh, to, absolutely. To Back okay. in the 80s, people used to come from um, the Middle East. Mm. Uh, you know, you're uh, Arabians. I don't know what you what do you call them? People people who live in that. that Just Middle Easterners. Middle Eastern, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they would come and they would go to GW and buy a kidney. Oh, wow. For their relative. Oh, with, wow. In cash. Right, I bet. Okay. Yeah, and so that also, you know, when people have um, things are, that are urban myths, there's always something. There's mm-hmm. always some truth to it, mm-hmm. and how that gets displaced throughout the the conversation. Okay. You know, so I, I think when I hear people say, "Oh, you can just you know jump the list," well, for me, no, I couldn't even have a cavity. Oh wow! I okay. had a, I had to get a crown replaced, and um, <laughs> they and I kind of just. Well, not kind of. I drug my feet on it. I was like, well, you know, this is the last thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. I had to get a flu shot. It wasn't crazy about that. Oh, right. Okay. Immunizations. Well, we can talk about that, too. But mm-hmm. had to get, and I just didn't. And they called me. And they were like, you know you can't get put into active status until you get this tooth fixed. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so you're on a list. But you have to meet all this criteria yes. to get on the list. You have to right? be. You have to be relatively. Your or, your other organs need to be able to sustain. Right. You know, right. a heart. Because they're thinking, if you're not healthy, why are we going to give you this? It's sort of like putting, it's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like putting a beautiful red apple in a basket of rotten fruit. Like, exactly. what's the point? What's the point? Okay. And and I had to sign a contract mm. indicating I would live a healthy lifestyle. I had to have my caregiver say that they would support me with my medication. It's it's it was quite involved. Okay. So how what was the duration of time you were on the list until you got the call that you got to come in because we found you a heart? And then what did that feel like? So I was actually um, put on the list 
in October, but I was not activated until, again, I got that tooth fixed oh, right. <laughs> in January. And so, Did you think that was some fear? Like you were fearful, oh, yeah. so you were just like, I'm going to drag my feet on this, so I'm not going to do this. It's, it, it may sound, you know, like I, I liken it to the children of Israel. You know, they're like, oh, we were better off in Egypt, you know, where we were slaves. Okay. But I knew, I knew how many hours I could work outside the home. I knew... Um, how many activities I could have within a two, three day period before I had to, you know, cancel my week. I okay. knew how to cope within my own world and, and I knew how to manage it, even though it was no longer manageable. Okay. And so, yeah, I, the fear of, of the unknown, of something new. So you got the call and then you felt like what? I was so excited. Okay. I was so excited. Okay. It was, uh, it was, I was grilling. I, I was meal prepping because I don't have the energy to cook. So my son and I, we were grilling fish and vegetables and um, they called and I knew they were going to call that day. I oh. woke up in the morning okay. and I heard something say, today's the day. God, it's your day. God told me today's mm-hmm. the day. And I was right. like, oh, okay. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just proceeded a normal day mm-hmm. and uh I didn't know what to do. I was running around and my son is, at the time had just turned 14 and he was like, well, you know, it's like a baby. Where's your bag? Yeah, mom? I was going to say, I'm thinking the bag would be at the door. <laughs> That's what he said. I would be ready. That's exactly <laughs> what you, 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 yeah, but didn't have a bag. Okay. Okay. Um, and actually in hindsight, you shouldn't, you, you really don't need a bag. That's one more thing for your family. When I, when I counsel other transplant okay. patients, I tell them, do not bring your bag, have your bag ready, but don't bring it. Okay. There's no place for your family to hold on to a bag in the, in the waiting room for okay. 10 hours Okay, to bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about that. So you have it. Now you're in recovery, right? And so you, how long were you in the hospital till you were able to come home? Well, um, because I was so healthy other than the heart, Good. Right. I, I was in, uh, the anticipated time was 10 days. Okay. However, my heart failed at transplant. It did not work. Oh. They put it in. It started beating and then it just blew up. The left side of it failed. So ultimately, I was in the hospital 70 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's the so did part. they use the same heart or did same they find you another heart? My Lisa heart. Okay. My same heart. Okay. And I had to accept it. I had to love it. I had to tell it it was going to stay. Okay. And I have never had any rejection, which is very unusual for African American female. We have the strongest immune system. <laughs> of so, course we do. <laughs> we had to survive. So yes. It's something to that. We yes. have the strongest immune system. So, you know, I I they exper- they thought I was gonna experience some rejection. I didn't have any of it. And I still haven't. So Lisa is the woman's heart that you have. Yes. So can we talk a little bit about Absolutely. Lisa? Yeah, Lisa. Okay. So Lisa is a single mom of three. And uh she was forty four. I was mm. forty five. Mm-hmm. I had just t- had turned forty five and um she was an incredible five foot feisty Tennessean. She okay. just had so much energy and she was a journey a journeyman, a journeywoman. She was a welder. Right. She worked outside. She had horses. Um, Lisa was white American. Okay. And um, Lisa suffered from depression. Oh, okay. And so she lost her bout of depression. Okay. But she was a registered organ donor. Wow. Okay. And okay. So that's part of my journey. I live for Lisa, and I live for me. Right. Okay. That's beautiful. Yeah. I like to. I like to hear that because, 
you know, it didn't have to just be a car crash, you know, and that's what my brain was thinking. I was like, something happened and then, but you know, people are struggling, but the rest of her body was healthy enough to be able to give you the organs. And that's what I say. I said, we tag team, you know, my mind was strong. Mm -hmm. My body was weak. Right. Her body was strong. Her mind was weak. Wow. So we just tag team. Yes. And now I run the race for both of us. Okay. That's beautiful. Now, do you yeah. keep in touch with her children at I all? do. And, you know, the other part of organ donation is let your family know like what your choices are, if you're for it or not. Okay. Because, you know, her daughter was 24, mm-hmm. and they didn't know. She had just moved to Tennessee um, two years prior, and they didn't know if she had registered to be an organ donor. So her daughter had to literally check off each box of which organ she wanted to donate. Mm. And she told she tells me, her name is Alyssa, that she was able to check the box for heart and she wondered who was gonna get her mom's heart. Wow. Okay. And so when she found out it was a single mom, she just knew. She's like the some the, the right person. The right person. The right person. And so that's part of her healing too. So I saw a stat where it says that with one person that has an organ, like a heart, a kidney, or a liver, or even some bone marrow, they can save eight lives and potentially improve the condition of 50 other people. Other people. And one of the main things is um, burn. Okay. Skin tissue. Skin, yeah. Yeah. I I sometimes, I I speak with other people who are are survivors, and uh, a gentleman in the DMV, he was burned over 94% of his body. Mm. Just his face. And his skin is just beautiful on his face. So his face remains and the rest of his... Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he talks about the importance of regaining his life because of the skin tissue that was donated. This cornea, that's a big thing. Um, some states now actually can bank cornea so that oh, when wow. someone needs it, they don't have to wait, which is just right. remarkable. So we have the the um, view, and we'll go back to it, of Mm -hmm. someone who has received, but let's talk about somebody who gave the gift, somebody who's alive, who gave Mm -hmm. the gift. It's incredible. So let's talk about how you got um, into this, and like, how did somebody come and say, cuz? It didn't happen like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At the time, I actually was an organ donor on my license. Okay. Okay. And um, I remember being at my job at that time, and uh, my my cousin's sister, another cousin, sent an email mm-hmm. to the family, like you said, let your family know, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, that that's that works conversely too on the other side. Mm-hmm. And um, she sent this email saying that Brian, is his name, was having kidney issues and had to start dialysis. He was a phenomenal athlete and taking over-the-counter supplements mm-hmm. and went into kidney failure, mm. um, trying to burn fat. Yeah. yeah. Went into kidney failure on dialysis young. He was in his 30s at the time. I was in my 40s, and she sent the email, and I, you know, let me just say, I didn't even know a living donation was possible. Right. That's first. Right. And so it was not on my radar when I read the email. She sent, it was a long email. (laughs) And actually, I have an excerpt from the email in my book Mm -hmm. that's coming out um, in May. 
And, you know, the gist of the email was he's on the registry list. He's on the list. However, his transplant can be accelerated if we can find a living donor and we would direct it back to the family. He's O positive, and so if anybody in the family is willing to be tested, let me know. Now, that's a big thing because we are two of about 42 first cousins. Wow, 42 first cousins. He's one of four, and I'm one of four siblings. And so I responded to the email. I'll get tested. Who knows? Maybe I'm the chosen one. Right. That's all I said. Right. Forgot about it. About two months later, I am on location in Atlanta for, I think it was the BET Hip Hop Awards at the time. And I get a call from the University of Miami transplant team saying they were given my name as a potential donor for Brian and wanted to conduct an interview. So I step outside the production trailer, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. go stand under a tree and answer all these questions. And like, okay, you answered the questions well. We're going to send you some tests that, you know, blood work. You go to a lab wherever you are, and then they'll send the results back. So I went through a series of tests, and after each test series, they were like, okay, that's great. Next, we're going to do this. Go to the lab. They'll send it. Okay, that's great. Go to the lab until we got to the... uh, moment where I needed to go down to Miami to do what they called a, a one-day workup, like mm-hmm. the whole workup. And what I will say is that living donors are treated like royalty. Okay. <laughs> like royalty. It, it was it's true. an amazing experience. Like the red carpet is rolled out. Every, like people kind of you're a living donor, like almost bowing down. Yeah. yeah. Um, the way I was treated, you know, the waiting area, my mom was with me. You want something to drink? You want something to eat? Like luxury. It was, if I can say that. It's boutique you know, style. It is very boutique mm-hmm. and very unique. And went through the one day workup to include a psychiatric evaluation, which was like 200 questions. It was just this whole one day thing past that. The next step was to schedule the surgery. Schedule the surgery. I go down. Before the surgery, we had to do a tissue type match one more time. Mm-hmm. And I'm at home. My cousin calls. I'm at my mom's house in Florida. And uh, he calls and says, are you sitting down? I'm here with my surgeon. He told me to call you. And I said, what's wrong? He said, you are the closest thing to an identical twin. Wow. That I have. He said, you are, he said, I could not have found a better donor. You are a five out of six gene type match. The only difference is you're female and I'm male. Wow. Wow. And in that moment, I was like, well, I guess I was the, the chosen, chosen one. Right. But let me back up for yeah, a minute. Yeah, I, I wanted to back when up. I, when I, when <laughs> I was going through all of the tests and they said, okay, Vicki, we want you to come down to Miami. We're going to do this whole workup for you. There was this moment where I was like, wait a minute, God, I didn't mean it. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, were you just like, I was like, where's yeah, girl, Or were you like, like oh, no wait, moment. What, wait, wait a minute. I didn't mean it. I was just encouraging him. Yeah. 
hoping, believing that he was going to come up on the list, right? And I started asking all these questions to God. Like, what if my daughter needs a kidney? What if my mom or my dad or one of my siblings? Like, I only get one to give. Right. I really had that moment. And I heard God so clearly say, I'm the same God that touched you for him. I'm the same God that's going to be there if you ever need anything. And that just gave me peace. I was like, well, okay, okay then. Okay. So I guess I was born for this moment. Let's do it. Wow. And That's incredible. I went down to Miami, got that call. The next day was the surgery. And so that night we stayed again. It was, it was a journey and a beautiful journey. We stayed at the Marriott Key Biscayne on Miami Beach. And when we checked in, like along the way, so many times there were just signs and moments that this is the right thing. This is the right thing. This is the right thing. You're doing the right thing. We checked into the hotel, told them what we were doing. They upgraded us, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gave us ocean view, Mm -hmm. high floor. (laughs) I was like, And in the room, though, that night, I had another moment, and it hit me. I could go in here tomorrow and not wake up. Like, I had that moment. Right. The human, that's And I just stared, looking out at the ocean. And then this peace just came over Mm -hmm. me, and I said, you know what? If I go in here tomorrow and wake up in heaven, I'm okay with that. Okay. I've had a great life. I've had a phenomenal life. Right. I'm really okay with this choice. Went to bed, got up, like you said, with nothing. Right. Took a shower with some um, solutions they gave me. Yeah. Went to the hospital. Got there really early in the morning. Girl, I was the first one they called to go back for <laughs> surgery that day. <laughs> Oh my God, can you, you could have given me a little more moments, right. right? My mom's not here yet. I was the first one they called back. <clears throat> and again, they're prepping me for surgery in the back. My mom does get to come back and, you know, see me before I go into surgery. And then the priest, the chaplain for the hotel uh, hospital, he walks, the chaplain walks through and just kind of prays with all of the surgical patients in the morning, all surgical patients, got to me and said, so you're donating a kidney? Wow. And he started crying. Oh. And he said, I'm going to say an extra prayer for you today because you are an angel. Like, that's rare, Vicky. Right. I was like, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll take that extra prayer. Yeah. Point, point 0.03%. Yeah, mm-hmm. did, did the surgery, came out. I do remember being shaken awake um, in recovery just to make sure that I woke up. And I remember seeing my mom's face. Then I went back to sleep. And when I woke up again, I had this recognition of, oh, I made it. I'm still here. Right. And from that moment on June 17th, I just decided every day from here on out is a bonus because mm-hmm. I came 
I was at death's door. Like they had to shut down all of my organs. Right. I was on a respirator so that there was no stress mm-hmm. or anything. So a respirator was breathing. Like I came as close to death as I could come so they could take my kidney out. Mm-hmm. And so when I woke up, that's why every day is a turn up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every day is a turn up. That is where soul wealth comes from and my passion for life and helping other people. And every day really is a turn up. It was a blessing. And, and I would do it again if I could. You know, I was only in the hospital for two days. Wow. Two days. And this is one other miracle that I'm telling you along the way. I had a morphine pump. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. I remember pushing the button. Like, sleep, 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 sleep. The bag stayed full. Mm. They were like, are you not using the morphine? The, it's still full. So it was a supernatural experience for me all the way through. God was with me. I, I know God was with me, still Absolutely. is with me. Right. And, yeah, I love sharing the story. Um, definitely would do it again. So now how you and your cousin are just super close. Yeah, we're super close. Like, he says he now cries in movies. He was like, what did, what did what you put in me? I, I never <laughs> cried at movies before. You gave me this girl kidney. <laughs> You know, we kind of joke like that, right. um, but it, it it was a phenomenal experience, and I really believe it's one of the reasons I was born. Wow! To do that, yeah. You know, that's that's so amazing because I'm thinking of like even so. It, it seemed like it would have been a an interesting situation to be in because it's family. So if it's on your mom or your dad's side, whatever side Brian was on, and so if you if you're able to do it, then you know. But what did Mariah say? What did your daughter say? Was she like, mommy? Or was she just following your energy? And like, what did she your- was. She was. Yeah. She followed my energy. Okay. She had yeah. peace. And there's another part of the story that happened about six months later mm-hmm. that, you know, I would love to share just the effect. Because okay. like I said, I had never heard of living donation. I didn't know it was possible. And now that I know it's possible. Mm-hmm is something that I'm an advocate for, particularly if it's a family member. Right, okay. Particularly if it's a family member. Okay. So let's talk about, so we're, you know, most of the people listening to my show are from the black community. And so we may or may not have heard of this. Monique gave us a stat. So Vicky, Dr. Vicky is a unicorn up in this piece. For real. Because, <laughs> a, real a real live one. Yeah, because tell us the stat that yeah, you came up I with. I Googled this. Oh, well, I didn't Google. I looked on the organ donation um, OPTN website just to get a sense of how I knew Vicky was rare. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've heard in the community, the transplant community, that African-Americans, black people don't donate. They don't donate um their organs, their their kidneys in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 77% of the organ transplant lists for African-Americans are kidneys. Right. Kidneys, mm-hmm. 77%. That's what we're waiting on. Not hearts, not, not liver, kidneys. And so I'm like, wow, so many people need kidneys. How many people actually donate, you know, African-American to African-American? 0.03%. Wow. Not even 1%. And, you know, like, 
500 and what is it? 561 people last year out of the total 6,000 that needed a kidney were by black donors. I mean, just it's unreal. I wish I would have thought about to do the research on what happens with the kidney because there's something that's happening with our community that yes. is impacting the kidney, if you know. But that's yeah. something for me to think about and to study about because we hold trauma in our bodies. We hold things in our body. Yes. And if this one African-American, this group, this population in the U.S. is experiencing this where they're needing this more than most people, yes. then there's something going on. There's a couple of things. There's lifestyle, right? Yeah. Um, diabetes and high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. There are conditions that you know predispose you to having kidney disease, having mm-hmm. kidney failure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we also know there's research going on that black people are more sensitive to sodium genetically. Mm-hmm. So it's culturally, you know, and we talk about our foods, you know, the fried food, chicken and macaroni and cheese and greens cooked in ham. You know, th- that type of food from my studies was celebratory food. Yeah. Comfort food. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the 1800s, 1900s, when we had that. Now, you know, those type of foods are everyday foods for us. Right. And our bodies aren't, and the machine's not built for that. No. And so, you know, when you think about even heart, 80% of all heart events can be prevented. 80%. 80%. So yours was genetic. Mine was genetic. So that's the thing with epigenetics. 20% says genetically you're predisposed to this. The 80% is the lifestyle. It's lifestyle. It's lifestyle. It's situational. It's environmental. Because, yeah, my, my transplant, you know, my... What exasperated my my particular issue, even though I have been living for 20 years, pretty healthy, you know, I have heart events, but the death of my mother and and it it precipitated me um, a lack of exercise. I stopped working out Mm -hmm. and that's when, you know, my heart started to fail. Yeah. Because exercise was my was my lifeline. I mean, it helped me control my stress, but it also nourished my heart. Right. So I used to do weight training. I used to do Zumba. I was in the gym five, six days a week. Mm-hmm. Or if not, I would, I would walk outside. Mm-hmm. I love walking outside. Mm-hmm. And that was my bridge to health. And we know that because my doctor actually pulled up. Not We looked at this, the, the data, the protein in my, in my body. My body started to atrophy nine months after I stopped exercising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nine months. Yeah. And it doesn't take long. It doesn't and, take long. And when they long. say if you use it, if you don't use it, you, you lose it. it. It's, it's true. so true. Even if you miss three days after doing some kind of exercise and then you don't do it for three days, your body will automatically oh, yeah. start to atrophy, if, yeah. if that's the word. Right? Yeah, like because because I, I still have a lot of atrophy within my body because I was in the hospital for so long. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every day that you're in the hospital laying in the bed, it's like a week. You're, right. You're, you're, you okay. know, you, that's why the doctors come and get you up. Right. Yeah. You have to move. You have to right. move. You have to move. So let's read some more of the stats that you have, because I know in some community, in certain intersections of the African-American community, there is a fear of dealing with donor, you know, being an organ donor. You're able to put in most states, I would assume, I know in Virginia, definitely, where you can put if you want to be an organ donor on your license. But I know a lot of people 
I've heard say, well, if I'm in the hospital and something's happened, they're going to let me die because yeah. I'm black, you know, and we it's 100 percent clear, true, documented that black people and black women also um, fare, don't fare as well inside of the traditional Western healthcare system. Absolutely. And that's because they don't listen to us. They don't think we know what we're talking about. And then also we have been um Culturally, we've been taught to give our power to the doctors yes. because they know, the white man knows, because usually they're white doctors that we have mm -hmm. gone to. He knows better than me what my body is saying. So I'm taught not to trust my intuition um, and I'm taught not to trust what the signals that my body is giving me. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about also because you told me this, you're a patient advocate and yes. you teach people how to advocate for themselves within this healthcare system because I do the same thing. Because um, I think it's super important and it's only because I had to learn to do it because I was, I was experiencing a health situation and nobody believed me nobody believed me and then also the statistics are that the the situation that I was in only two percent of women in Canada in the United States experience it and that's because they were polling white ladies they won't polling people that look like me so then I here I am the unicorn in this and I'm like I feel xyz and they're like you'll be okay, just do this, right? right so what right. do you tell people in general um, about how to advocate for themselves when they're having to have surgery? Because that's major. It's major. Well, I also want to speak to, you know, historically, you know, organ donation is very altruistic, right? Okay. And so we have not, as a people group, have fared well from the medical community. Right. We think about things like the Tuskegee experiment, mm -hmm. and and people, you know, have a, a plethora of stories. Well, my uncle did this, or you know, he had a stroke and no one got to him in time, and it, he was mistreated. So we we know those stories to be true. Right. They're not anecdotal. Right. Um, so with within that vein. I, I learned early to advocate for myself and to speak up and not to be afraid. And I don't know how, you know, maybe it was just divine, but I learned the more I asserted myself, the more I was hurt. Like the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It was, you know, <laughs> and I just smile because I smile and I'm happy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I, I am a force. And so from my hospital bed, I directed my own health care. I made sure I had a notebook. Mm -hmm. For my caregivers, I um, I really believe in my tribe. You mm -hmm. know the 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 cohesive team of having a team of caregivers. So one, you don't have burnout, but two, that we have enough eyes that people know right. um, what to expect from you and your 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 caregiver team. And you know you have to be willing to ask questions. And I think a lot of times we're in we're in shock, we're in trauma, we get a diagnosis, mm -hmm. we just want to cope. So mm -hmm. if you have someone, you take someone to the doctor with you, you take someone with you to your surgery, you have an advocate to say, hey, you know, this is plan A. If plan A doesn't work, what does plan B look like? Mm -hmm. If plan B doesn't fare, what does plan C look like? Okay, now what are the, what are the, um, you know, why do you pick this as plan A? Mm -hmm. Have that dialogue and don't be in a rush. Right. You know, don't feel rushed by your physicians. Don't don't. And I think that's hard because, you know, 
they lay out the plan, you're trying to comprehend, and you may not even have the questions ready. Um, and and that's you're okay. in such fear that you feel like, I better do it right now. I, right. And, and, you know, and just go into it, you know, take the moment even before you go into it. And I, and I, I always try to find center, whatever center is, sometimes it's music, sometimes it's a prayer, sometimes it's just diaphragmic breathing, getting my center before I go in to say, this is an important meeting because it's about me, it's about mm-hmm. my health mm-hmm. and owning it and championing it and feeling good about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think attitude, like you say, I know attitude has been a huge part of how I've been successful in partnering with my physicians. And they don't always like my questions, but they respect me. I don't always like their answers, but Mm -hmm. I respect them. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to change doctors, right? If you you don't feel that synergy. Yes. um, Because I've done that. Mm -hmm. I have gone to a physician. I don't like her. Mm -mm. (laughs) I'm not coming back. I don't Mm -hmm. like him. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming back. They rushed through my appointment, you know, and... Or the that staff, is, yes. Because the staff system, the support system, the nurse practitioners, the the medical assistant, they are just as good. The doctor may be great, but if you can't get to the doctor, if you're leaving messages on that line and they're not returning your call, then that's that's part of the whole experience. And so taking ownership, you know, mm-hmm. personal responsibility in in our wellness and well being, mm-hmm. uh, I like to just insert there because Absolutely. we do have the power, mm-hmm. we do, right, to guide our healing journey. Um, and and it, so it's a big, big opportunity to it participate is. and partner with your physician. And I love my doctor now for that very yeah. reason mm-hmm. because she she knows it's a partnership and right. we are in this Absolutely. together. Right. And she listens. And she listens. And that's yes. I was going to say, yeah, I bet she listens. And for me, my journey began because I was always the caregiver. Okay. And so I think that prepped me. Because I was going to ask, how did you know to have the notebook on the side? Yeah, I was always the person, um, you know, who who I have uh, older family members. And so I was always the person uh, just by default. You know, Monique, can you can you do you, do you have time? Because I'm I, I'm that person. I, I I love to give. I love to give my time. My and my family is very paramount to me. Mm-hmm. So you know, I have these older family members, and I just started to notice how to navigate the physicians and their relationship and just watching. And so scribing, taking the notes, being able to have the dialogue behind it. Now, my best friend actually um, was my major um, experience. She passed uh, from cancer seven years ago, February. Mm-hmm. And so I had the pleasure of comp- accompanying to her to all of her uh, breast cancer appointments. And that's where I really learned because she was brilliant. She was smart. She was processing. But then she wasn't. Right. And I was I was looking at her, looked at her doctors and I could just see read her body language. And I said, okay, I need to be able to take copious notes so we can have that conversation so she can make an an informed and educated decision Mm -hmm. because she definitely wanted to control. But. She's human. Yeah, and that's a lot of stuff that they throw at you, and it's your body, and you're thinking of so many different things. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of question, the what-ifs. So it's great to have somebody. I went to the doctor with a loved one for the first time maybe a few years ago. The same doctor they had been going to for 20 years, right? And, you know, I didn't even have the training that I have now, but my gut was saying something ain't right. (laughs) And, And why are you telling her this? 
So I was asking questions and I noticed she was annoyed with me because uh-huh. I, I feel like I, I didn't go in with an ego or an attitude. I just went in wanting to really understand. <clears throat> I felt like this person didn't have a good handle. The doctor didn't have a good handle on maybe the genesis of some of this disease in my loved one's body. Mm-hmm. And so I just started asking basic questions. The first thing that they said was that they wanted to increase blood pressure medicine. And I was like, that's not where we would start. You know, I was just like, have you ever asked them where the stress comes from? And they hadn't. So we we were having this conversation. So now I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little annoyed, you know, and then I'm trying not to like embarrass my loved one over uh-huh. here, but I'm still trying to be like, listen, man. So at some point he leans all the way back in his chair. He looks over his glasses and he told my loved one, you know, you have a smart one here, right? And that made me angrier because I'm like, why did I have to come in to have you, to ask you basic questions about this situation? And like you, I grew up with my grandmother, my grandfather, my aunt, my uncle. They were like the four Bopsy twins. And I was at doctor's appointments dang near every day with them. Cataracts. (laughs) They had to go to the doctor (laughs) to do these things. And every single thing the doctor said is what they they did every single thing yeah. and I just remember you know I didn't have a frame of reference for none of this I was little but now that I'm here and and now I remember that I remember they just that's how they were raised mm-hmm. it's not a good or a bad thing it's just it what it was and so now in 2019 we can do differently they did what they needed to do to survive we can educate ourselves and assert ourselves a little much differently we than should. they did and we should because it is proven that we don't fare well in some of these systems because we are it's not designed for us to fare well so we can change it yeah and i tell people i tell people all the time i say you know if you get your house painted you get three estimates Mm, but you just take contractor any contractor but you're just going to take the word of the doctor is a contractor i tell everybody that your grocery store everybody works for you and we're not usually (laughs) we're not usually taught that but they work for you and that's what the patient vendor Yeah. yeah you pay them and so if you don't like the service, it's okay to roll and go to somebody else. Yeah. Ask your friends, ask the people <coughs> who you trust, where do they go? And if that doesn't feel right to you, then you go to the next person. So same with me. I went to a doctor for 15 years. Then I was introduced to another doctor. She asked me more questions in one hour than this lady asked me in 15 years. Wow. And so then that was that was what it was, but now I'm going to a new doctor because they are asking me even more questions than this. So it's like an evolution because I want to dig deeper. I want to know more. And we're allowed to do that because it's our bodies and we are preserving ourselves. Yeah. We're not just taking care of ourselves. We are preserving like our that. bodies. And I think the medical Mind, system, body, you know, they, they're set up for their five to seven minutes. You know, yeah. in the hospital, I had five different um, teams. I had uh, the, the cardiologist, the cardiac surgeon team. Um, I had hematology. I had infectious disease. And I had nephrology. Mm-hmm. And at any given point, based upon what was going on with my system, with my body, it, a different doctor would take the lead. And then, you know, the doctors change weekly. So um, they were, they, you know, we're waiting to hear back from an infectious disease what to do with your kidneys. 
You know, they were. So when I had a captive audience, I never let them leave. I said, oh, well, we need to go and look in the hospital, look in the notes and see what this. No, no, no. He left his note on my whiteboard for you. Mm-hmm. Or, um, sis, what did he say? Right, right. <laughs> and my sister would be up. He said, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Right. Because once they had that five to seven minutes, you think they step out the door, they're going to come back and have the same intent? Mm-mm. Or the same concern. It's not designed that way. It's not. A, it's not the fault of the physician. It's not their fault. It's just how it's set it's up. It's just how it's set and up. And there's so many sick people. And that was the other thing about the donor lists that that African Americans would have to be on. Now you don't need to have an African American to to get a donation because your donor wasn't an African American person, and neither was Nefertiti's. But we are unable, we are less able to even get on the list if we felt comfortable enough to do it because of so many um, issues within our bodies. Right. And that's uh, that's a huge, that's a pretty good number. That's true. So on top of being afraid, not trusting the system, then when you do want to do it, you might not be able to because you got about five cavities and you flat footed or whatever <laughs> it is. Because you know how you said you have to be pretty pristine. You have to be able to check the boxes to make sure that you're able to do it. Yeah. And we're finding that some of us are not able to. No. But I but I do want to be uh, have a word of encouragement that the numbers from 2015 to 2018, um, we used to com- uh, compromise, thir- com- comprise 13% of the donor population. We're up to 16% now. Okay. So, I mean, and that's even more than our people group because we make about 12. 13%, yeah, 12.9, 13% of the population. Mm-hmm. So people are becoming more and more familiar with organ donation. They're becoming more open and it's touching their lives. And the, one of the things that is really remarkable when I share my uh, heart transplant story, it's like six degrees. Someone said, oh, my cousin had a kidney tree. Oh, my cousin's on dialysis. Or my aunt, my uncle. Kidney disease affects so many people, mm-hmm. and therefore, like I said, seventy-seven percent. And this, the, the, I, I just looked at our community. Sixty percent of the of the list of kidney um, of people waiting for a kidney transplant in DC are black. Sixty percent. Mm-hmm. You know, in Maryland, it's fifty-three percent, and in my home state of Virginia, it's fifty percent wow. waiting. Right of all the kidney. And I just told you, kidneys make up over, you know, uh, what is that? 70%, no, 60% of the, of the, of the donor, donor list. Donor list, right. So there's just something that, that it would behoove our community to look at our lifestyle, because like you said, the yeah. kidney has a lot to do with um, lifestyle management or the lack thereof, um, but it's also stress. Stress is one of the number one killers, stress, sugar, um, those things, and those are the things that our community is inundated with a lot of times. Right. So we have 10 minutes. Let's talk about, um, because what I wanted to do was make sure that we leave with the good information for you to be able to make your own decision. Um, for you to make your decision if you want to be a donor, to give you resources, and I'll, I can put them in the notes later. The ladies can share whatever resources that they want to put in the notes so that you can go and then if you hadn't before, if you were side-eyeing it a little bit, <laughs> but just so that you can make your decision on if you would like to do some more research and offer that gift, because we now know you can affect 50 lives. Yeah. And um, so let's talk about what... Um, you know, Dr. Vicky, what can what are some things that you would like to share um, to with the people so that 
you know, they can feel that it, it, it's safe. You had a great experience. You had a great experience. And I had a great experience because it was my intention to have a great experience. I think a lot of times we live unconsciously. Yes. Kind of going through the motions. I set the intention to have a good experience. I set the intention to be as educated as I could, Mm -hmm. get as much information Mm -hmm. as I could. And information is power. The story I wanted to share was after we did our transplant, I was talking to another cousin. Told you it was a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, she attended a church that had about 6,000 members. And she said, you know, such and such who's at our church is on the donor list. She needs a kidney. Mm. And I said, you all have 6,000 plus people in there every Sunday. Right. Wow. Somebody should just ask. Right. Has she ever Make asked? Make the ask. Make the ask. We're not taught to ask. Yeah. Mm-mm. We're taught to accept whatever. Yeah. Because my mom had it. Now I have it. <laughs> right. Figure it out. Yeah. So she went to church the following Sunday got the message somehow to the pastor about my story. Mm. And he, in a moment, just said, who in here, this is down in Miami again, who in here needs a kidney? And like eight people came to the front of the church. Wow. And then he said, we have members who are part of the University of Miami health system that are members here and they came up and then he said who in here is willing to get tested to be a living donor and about 80 people came up to the front wow and from that one ask three of those eight people found a a donor match Hmm. and got kidneys and so I share that story every time I get to you know have platforms like this because sometimes all you have to do is ask. Just like my cousin asked us. She right. sent the email. I had never heard of that. Right. I knew I was a donor on my driver's license, but I did not know it was an option to offer such an altruistic gift. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say is that my doctor, she was a mighty little Latina lady, a short lady. Mm-hmm. And... One thing she said to me that I, I have always remembered and have to refer to it sometimes, she said, you know, Vicki, you didn't just save one life, you saved two. Because you gave your cousin your kidney, now somebody else can get a kidney from the list. Right. And she said, this is not going to be easy. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. She said, but I, well, what I want you to know is that every day gets better. When I tell you that thing got me through, mm-hmm. just hearing her voice yeah. say, every day gets better. Because I, I w- one, of, one of the, it was a challenge, I don't want to call it a complication, is about two weeks post-op, mm-hmm. I started experiencing, it, it was just ugh, ungodly insomnia. Mm. Oh. And... I would just get up and walk around the house. I would just walk and just start repeating what she said. Every day gets better. Every day gets better. That's the only issue that that I had from the surgery. And <clears throat> just every day 
gets better has carried me through a lot of situations. So I want to leave that. Yes. And how many awesome. years post-op are you and Brian? Almost 10. ten. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that's going on in the donor community is that they're looking at um, living donors how to, um, one, put them at the top of the list if they should ever need a transplant. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And two, how their family members can benefit. So their chain um, kidney transplants, are you you familiar with that? Not at all. So if you need a kidney transplant and I'm your sister or I'm your friend or whoever, and I say, I'll donate, I'm not a match for you, but I'm a match for someone else in Miami. And someone in Miami is a match, or maybe not, someone in Connecticut is a match. They do these chains where we can all benefit gotcha. from giving, uh, being a living donor. So okay. having having that available for people who are living donors as, you know, not a benefit, but as a, a way of gratitude mm-hmm. for their, their sacrifice. Okay. So they're looking into laws for that. That's amazing. So now tell us, we have four minutes left. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tell us what are like maybe the top three things that patients who find themselves, not even just in this situation, but like needing to be an advocate for themselves besides bringing somebody who's going to really take those notes and be there to speak up. What are some other things that have gotten you through? Or that you share? Well, you know, one, we, we talked about it from the very beginning. You know, I'm a person of faith, but having that, that positive attitude, mm-hmm. I cannot speak to that enough. Um, because it's thinking, feeling, action. You know, the mm-hmm. way we think causes h- how we feel, and how we, how we feel is how we act. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I, I know that um, life is hard, and it can be difficult, but how you approach it, Really, it, it 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 really sets the the whole trajectory. That's true. Um, second is owning your health, like championing your health, unapologetically. And I cannot emphasize that enough. It's it's ask the questions, and if you don't get the answer, if you don't understand, the doctor's not doing their job. Right. And I've had to say that I don't understand. You know, my brother and I have this saying that we, we teach each other, break it down like a fraction. Okay. <laughs> and so I'll tell them, I'm like, like break it down like a fraction. I was like, I'm not getting it. And the good ones would draw pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the doctors I've had that, you know, I've had some, and I think that I'm, you know, have a, a, a fair amount of emotional and intellectual intelligence, but draw me a picture. And don't be afraid to ask. And then third, um, every day is a gift. Mm-hmm. Every day is a gift. Okay. So how can people find out more information on organ donation and, you know, just what it means to, to, to get on a list? Is there a, a website they can yes. go to? Well, um, well, I advocate for Virginia, the state of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Okay. So it's donatelife.org and it has statistics and it has stories. Um, and you'll be able to, to connect with uh, Donate, Donate Life America. And uh, you'll see real, real I, th- I think what the, the challenge is of knowing someone, it real, people say, you're a heart transplant survivor? I am. Mm-hmm. And it changes their mind. And honestly, for me, if I get one person to sign up because they see that I appreciate life and I've been given that second chance, um, it means everything. Okay. So do, just, just do research, inform yourself. And, and again, 
organ donation may not be right for you, but to explore it and, and see how how it works or it doesn't work for you, I think it's worth the look. Well, I think that's a great way to end it. I think that, um, you know, do your research, see what feels good in your own heart. You do your own prayer and meditation to yeah. see if it's something that feels good for you. And I just want to thank everybody. Uh, thank my lovely guests and powerful <laughs> survivors. Thank you, Dr. Vicky. Um, yeah. Thank you. Monique and then Dr. Vicky, thank you so much. Now, I planned this back in November when I was looking at the emails. I was like, they got to come on. And so it's, <laughs> right. it's, it happened. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be able to share the information with the with the um, viewers and then with the listeners who will listen on DCRadio.gov. So, again, the best of health and thank wellness you. and blessings to both of you. Thank you. And thank, thank you, you again. And thank you for all being in the sanctuary. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution.